Hi, my name is Blaine Monahan, and I'm the president and CEO of Pacific Ridge Exploration. We're listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol PEX, Papa Echo X-Ray, and on the OTCQB in the US, and our symbol there is PEXZF. We are focused on copper gold projects in British Columbia, and our goal has become one of BC's leading copper gold exploration companies. And with four copper gold projects in our portfolio, we're well on our way to achieving that. Blaine, good to see you. Haven't seen you since October. How have you been keeping? By the way, fine beard. Wonderful. Thank you. I just want to say Thank that. You. Uh, I'm Thank just, you. I've got beard envy there. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right. Your, since we last saw you, your share price has popped off the back of some drill results that you put out in December. Market liked what they saw. You did the same again in January. The market liked what it saw. Uh, you didn't quite get the same reaction with the, with the recent um, trail results. So why don't you give us a little update as to what's been going on since I saw you? Yeah, it's been very, very busy since we last spoke in October. When we spoke then, uh, we were waiting on the assay results from our first ever drill program at Clio. We completed three holes there in about 1,500 meters. Uh, we had high hopes for the drill results. We were drilling into an area that had seen some historical drilling, a limited amount of deep drilling, about six holes historically. But they returned some pretty pretty nice copper gold porphyry mineralization. We knew that we had intersected porphyry gold mineralization in every hole. We could tell that visually by the mineralization. And then it was just simply a matter of waiting for the drill results. So you're right, we put out the first hole in December. Uh, the market responded very positively to that. Uh, you know, in October when we spoke, I think we were trading around you know twelve or thirteen cents. Uh, we achieved a high of fifty-eight cents on the back of our second bull. And in addition to reporting those results, we also made another property acquisition on Ho. And importantly, we entered into a, an agreement with Antifagas, so one of the world's largest copper miners. Uh, I think they have a market cap of about twelve billion dollars. And we've optioned our RDP to Antifagasta. And if they spend 10 million and deliver a preliminary economic assessment report within eight years, they can earn up to 75%. And they've committed to a minimum $1 million spend this year. And that's likely to include drilling. So in addition to a much more expanded drill program at Clayul, we'll also have another drill program at RDP, which is going to be funded by our partner Antifagasta. So I think we're in great shape. And right now we're just planning that expanded drill program and we're looking to drill a minimum of 5,000 meters at Clio this year. Right, okay, N nice summary of what's, what, what's going on, right? You're a sub $20 million um, company. I'm fascinated about how you guys plan this out because when we spoke, I think you were, what, sub 10 anyway. I'll be, I'll be generous, right? It, 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 that, that, that's where you were, you were at. How do you move these things forward? We, we can talk about Antifagasta in, in, in a minute, but. If I look at the reaction in the market price, uh, market to the first set of drill results, there's a high grade copper. You've got you know re reasonable gold equivalent uh, number there, um, and then it's come off again. People take maybe taking um, some profits off the table, and th and that's fine. But things are still tight. Money's tight. You've got a drill program to f to finance. You've still got some of the same problems, although you know at the share price is double that of where, when we spoke last. So it's 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 good news, but the problems are still there for you to overcome. So what's the plan for this year? Yeah, we started planning really early in anticipation of of our needs for this year. So last year we already knew that. Listen, we need to get back in there and do a lot more drilling. There's we need to look to continue to expand the Clio main zone. 
We need to look to test some adjacent targets that we identified, the Clio West, Clio East. So in our minds, we were already planning a bigger program. You know, last year was 1,500 meters. This year, we're planning on at least 5,000 meters at Clayol. So we, we anticipated what our needs would be for this year. And one of the things we've really been focused on, and, and this was happening when we were speaking in October, was approaching the senior producers out there, whether on the gold or copper side. Uh, we had meetings with about 22 senior copper and gold mining companies, signed CAs with about a half dozen. My focus and my wish is to try to get a, a strategic investor, a corporate strategic investor involved to basically take down the, the next round of financing to fund that exploration program. And if we're not successful in bringing in one of these seniors right now, and, and I might not blame them because it, it is very early days, but at the very least, we're getting on their radar screen. They are following us. Uh, if we can get their money, great. If not, then I'll probably be looking at the brokers and I'm already engaging with a number of different uh, broker firms in Canada. Failing that, we can always do the non-broker private placement route, and I have no doubt that it, you know, it wouldn't be hard filling that either. So uh, my order of preference, obviously, would be a corporate strategic, so they can take down that entire financing. Now you're bringing in a senior that might, might own X percent of the company. You have a partnership with Antifagasta and Centera Gold, who are entering or who we have this option agreement with from Clayol and Redton, will end up owning 25% of the project. So all of a sudden now you could have uh, two senior companies involved, maybe even three. And if we keep delivering success, well, now you've built in competitive tension. So that's why I'm really focused on trying to get it corporate. But if I can't, then I'd be looking at the brokers or banks because then that can bring in institutional coverage, uh, sell side coverage. Um, and failing that, then obviously a non-broker private placement, which I handily know we could complete. It, it, you, you make a, a really interesting point there. It's like you can't be lumbered with one strategic because you, you can paralyze the company. We've seen this across the board. You know, we've got a, a major shareholder who just is immovable and it's kind of off-putting for anyone else wanting to enter here. So getting that balance right and the timing of that right is, is, is really, really important. So I'm, I'm fascinated by uh, seeing how you deal with that um, over whatever time frame you, you're going to do that. Um, but in the, in the, in the short, term you've got you're down to not a whole bunch of cash right right now so there's an urgency to this so in terms of the plan you just outlined do can you do that in trips and drafts because these guys move at different paces or, or are those conversations all underway yeah it's i'd say it, it's imminent in the sense that the we're looking to get in there earlier this year so last year we started our drill program in august and that that didn't really give us enough time to complete the meters we would have liked. And also there was a lack of qualified drillers. So the, the two things we learned last year was we need to get in sooner. So we're amending our permits to get in there earlier. And we're also looking to line up our preferred drill contractor earlier as well. And we've already sent out the request for proposals and are getting bids. So I feel we're really in good shape in that respect. We're far ahead of where we were last year with respect to planning. Um, and if we are looking to get there in, in there in June, uh, then obviously, I mean, we have to have that money in the door in advance of that. So I would expect uh, sometime over the coming months, you would see us look to raise that additional capital for the program. But given how, what you've said about who you want that to come from, I assume you're already in conversations. It's not going to come from Santera, is it? So are you talking to other people, I guess, is the question, already? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and a lot of them, you know, as I mentioned, we started this process back in the fall. 
um, you know, introducing the company, holding the calls, opening up the data room. Uh, then, of course, the next step was, okay, well, we want to wait for your results. So you've got your first hole out, you've got your second hole out. Well, now we want to wait for your third hole. And we just reported that this week. So we're, we're continuing to update these various corporates in the goal of trying to get one of them to come in and, and finance the company. And one of the advantages with getting a corporate strategic investor, obviously, it's a vote of confidence. But also, we have a, a great scheme here in Canada, the charity flow through. So if you are able to say you're, for argument's sake, your, your share price is 35 cents, you could say, listen, you are going to take down that financing. And right now, the premium uh, to the share price or, or the unit price is almost is 140 to 142. So if you are if you decide your M price is 35 cents, you're actually raising money at, at 50 cents. Do you think that it really is, it is the right time to be getting a strategic in? Because I know the markets have been difficult for precious metals. So obviously, you've got copper and gold, um, but. At the at this sort of market cap, getting these big companies to come in, it is a vote of confidence, but they've got tens, dozens, you know, of, of these types of agreements all around the world, uh, where they want to, you know, go in and take a look at what what was happening, and they'll commit varying degrees of cash along over a certain period of time. And nineteen times out of twenty, if not more, they they waltz off into the sunset. Uh, because it's not big enough for them. So how do you go about ensuring that the, this construct of, of that arrangement doesn't paralyze uh, the company? Are you not having to give away you know, too much equity? Um, by, you know, uh, well, well how, how do you construct those things? What are you looking for precisely? Because it's not going to be 100% equity, surely. That's what we would be looking for in that situation. And, and under that example I used previously, you would still, that, that entity would still end up just owning about, uh, you know, anywhere from say 12 to 16% uh, of the issued shares, uh, depending on the price where it might be. Um, I think first and foremost, the, the real goal here is just to increase interest and awareness in the company from, from these senior companies and make sure that they're following and tracking you. Uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, secondly, obviously it'd be great to get an infusion of cash from, from a senior because of the things we mentioned. Um, but failing that, then obviously we'll, we'll go down the other road. But it's uh, it's never a bad thing to continue to generate interest and awareness from from a number of different potential interested stakeholders. And obviously, our goal is to be acquired by a senior gold or copper mining company. So we want to make sure that they're aware of us, they're following us, and they'll make up their mind to do whatever they're going to do when whenever they feel it's appropriate. But they need to be aware of us to begin with. So that was that's the first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll tell you what. Why do we look at the Antofagasta deal, right? That gives an idea of how you structure structure these things without, you know, g giving away the, the the family jewels, right? So, w w remind me of that you you talked about a million bucks. Uh, what else was it look like? Yeah. So Antofagasta, you know, a senior copper miner, and you know, based out of South America, a Chilean company. They are listed on the London Exchange. Uh, we've seen this a lot in BC this past year. Projects like Clayul and Porphyry projects like MBC have been really orphaned for the past decade or so. And I think that's why we were lucky to be able to acquire these projects we did for the price prices we did. Uh, there wasn't much activity. Uh, they were very much unloved. But in the past year, with the, the increase in the price of copper and the forecasts uh, looking at a deficit, They've been much, much more interested. You've seen an influx of seniors, whether copper or gold, re-looking at BC, 
making investments, making acquisitions, entering into joint ventures. So Antifagasta is just just another one. So they're, they're poking around. If you're looking, if you're a South American company, you're probably concerned about, you know, increased political risk uh, in, in your various jurisdictions or environmental risks, say like water in Chile. Uh, and then, of course, just looking at your pipeline going, where are we possibly going to get future production from? Uh, so that's why I think a lot of people are starting to look at BC again, because it hasn't seen that sort of exploration. There's still a lot of big upside for new discovery in BC, good infrastructure and a, and a good jurisdiction. Um, so as far as our agreement with RDP went, you know, we've been talking to Antifagasta for some time. They've they're obviously interested in, in some of our other assets that we're not really keen to do any deals with right now. Uh, so they were keen to take a closer look at RDP. It's, it's, it has returned some really good results in the past. It hasn't been drilled in over a decade. Um, so they were keen to, to do a deal with us on that. And the structure of the deal is they can earn up to 75% by spending 10 million and delivering a preliminary economic assessment report. But obviously to deliver a PEA, you're going to have to spend a lot more than 10 million because first you're going to have to do all that drilling to even get to a resource stage. Then you're going to have to deliver that study. So if they get to the point where they're delivering a PEA, they, they will have spent a lot more than $10 million. And what are you obliged um, to do in that, in that case? Because you said they've got to spend 10 million to deliver a PEA. They get 75%. But are you on the hook for any of this or are you, or are you fully carried? No, no, we're fully carried. And they've committed to spending a, mil, a minimum of a million dollars this year. Uh, and that will include a drill program. So when I say a million, uh, it, it's likely to be higher and it's, it will include a drill program. So while we're drilling Clayul, we'll be using Clayul as a base of operations to support that drill program at RDP, which is just about 40 kilometers to the west. We will be the operator and they are funding it. Right. So you get a management fee and you're the operator. Okay. And obviously there are various points at which they can, they can, opt out and, 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 and what you, you get returned the entire project. They don't get to hold on to any of the equity if they don't deliver the PEA, is that right? Or if they got that's various variants. That's right. So if they don't, if they don't deliver that PEA or make those expenditures within that time frame, then we get the, the project back. And of course, they're not obligated. They can step back at any point in time. But this year is a firm commitment for that million dollars for a drill program. Okay. So minimum, minimum guaranteed one million up to 10 million fully carried through to delivery of P PEA. Okay. Okay. So that gives me a sort of sense of how, how you go about constructing these deals. Cause sometimes, you know, deals are constructed where the, the, uh, mid tier or, or the major retains some of the equity position. That's kind of off putting, um, for any future potential strategic partners to come in. So, okay. But I, I, yeah, I just, and, you know, I, I was happy with that. Typically in a, in a lot of these deals, you might see it at a two stage where you get to a, say a 51% yeah. then to a 75. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that works in anybody's interest, really. It just makes it a, a messy ownership at the end of the day. If you do get to your 51 and then you decide you're not really going to move any further with that, well, then, then where does either party go? Well, I've actually got a friend who's like negotiating or trying to negotiate with some majors um, at the moment on a, on a tiny deal, sub sub twenty sub twenty million uh, type deal, but it's so far down the list of things to do. It, potentially a couple of years away is what they're thinking. Yeah. You know, so that's that's problematic. So it's a problem for the majors, and it's a problem for, for the for the company's asset. It is, and it's a problem for anyone potentially wanting to come in and acquire it, and it's off putting for other people. 
strategics looking at this thing it's, it's a bit messy so I, I totally agree with you on that yeah you, you've got to try to keep it, everything as clean as possible and, and you're right when you're thinking about say a company like pacific ridge with a market cap of 20 million versus an antifagasta with a market cap of 12 billion these sort of deals are um they're tremendously important for us not so much for them unless they come up with a major discovery then it, it continues to move up the food chain right okay i know you're explorers so you can take this take this the right way. You mentioned other projects that you've got, um, and I, I suspect you don't necessarily want to be a prospect generator for other people. But g- given where you're at, sub twenty million, given where you're at, cash constraint, and the, and the cost of money down at these the, these levels is a little bit more expensive. Is why are, why don't you or are you going to look at doing similar deals with some of these other projects that you've? You've, you've got, or have you just not done enough work on them yet? I'd say it's a little premature for the other projects. I mean, Clayola is clearly the most advanced. It's our flagship. That's what we're devoting our energy and resources towards because we think it has a, the great op- greatest opportunity for a significant new copper gold discovery in BC. Um, we, that's not just our opinion. We hear that from, from other people. We're, we're really excited by it. And RDP really would have been the second most advanced with historic drill holes and good historic drill holes. And that's when we have to look at managing our own resources. So is it really feasible to to be going 100% at Clayul and and also advancing RDP, which needed to be drilled at the same time? So that's why it made sense for us to bring in a partner. With our other projects, they're they're earlier stage than both Clayul and RDP. So I think it would make more sense for us to to do a little bit more work to, to further refine targets. And in the meantime, if someone were to come along uh, that was an appropriate partner that wanted to structure the right kind of deal, we'd be open to it. But you're right. Our, our intention is not to become a project generator. But if we are focused on Clayul and someone else wants to give us money to advance the other projects, then I think that's something you have to seriously entertain. Okay. And at the same time, you know, we do have four copper gold projects in BC now. I wouldn't say that the pipeline is completely full. There's a lot of good opportunities out there. And Honestly, we are just tremendously bullish on on, on copper. Um, I, I think we have uh, an early mover advantage. Uh, if we can continue to make good acquisitions, we'll do so. I mean, I'm looking at this almost right now like monopoly. Acquire as much property as you can because it's just going to continue to become more more valuable as we continue to move forward. Okay, so e.g. Onjo Copper Gold Porphyry Project, which you picked up recently. Give, give me the terms of that again. Uh, we acquired it 100%. So so pretty easy terms. Uh, it was 50,000 cash, 750,000 shares. And we acquired this one from a royalty company. So their, their modus operandi here is that really, we have this project. Uh, we're not going to advance it. We want royalties. So if we can strike a deal with you where you can own it 100% and we can put royalties on it, then that works for us. But also because we know that you guys are actually going to create value. You've demonstrated that. You know how to advance projects, whether on your own or bringing in partners. So we're, we're happy to do a deal with you for 100% because we know these royalties are going to have some value down the road. Right. Okay. Okay. Slight different model. Because I, I was reading it, it, it said the acquisition terms... Obviously, 100%, as you say, was subject to a 2% NSR than 50,000 cash. And we can buy, and right. that's right, and we can buy down 0.5% for uh, one, one and a half. Yeah. 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 Okay. Underst- 
Understood. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Um, we better we better talk about better let you talk about some of the drills because I think you, you, some people have sent sent questions in or posted some questions in the chat rooms um, with regards to you know specifically around the, the drilling that you're doing um, with regards to the west the west zone and also the east west zone. So can you give us a sort of update in, in terms of what what you know and what you're going to be doing there? Sure. So. As I mentioned, I mean, our drill program last year, that was our first ever drill program at Fayul. Uh, we completed three holes in 1,500 meters. It, it was a very successful program in that we did intersect significant copper mineralization in all three holes. Uh, we did extend the, the footprint of mineralization to depth and to the west. So we did expand that footprint. I would just say not materially, but you, you just can't expect that with a three-hole program. But it does set the stage now for us and give us the confidence that we need to get back in there and complete a lot more drilling. So this year, you know, we're looking to drill at least 5,000 meters. We'll be going back to the Clio main zone, looking to further extend it to depth into the west. And that's really important because when you look at the three holes we did complete, only one hole achieved target depth. So our first hole, which was our best hole, um, intersected uh, a post-mineral dike towards the bottom of the hole did not get through that dike and then the pad shifted. And so when a pad shifts, essentially now you're just gonna have to pull that hole, you've got a safety issue. So we weren't able to complete that hole to depth. And our belief is that if we were able to get through that, that post mineral dike, we would have got back into mineralization. The third hole, which was the hole we just announced, again, did not reach target depth. Uh, we encountered difficult ground conditions, which led to technical issues with the drill rod. The, the, winter conditions were setting in and the options to keep going were were non-starters we, we just had to pull out so i don't think we've really demonstrated yet uh how deep this could be but we have very positive indications that we could continue to encounter high grade zones of depth so we need to get back in there drill deeper we need to continue to look to expand uh, the footprint laterally to the west it, it's open in a number of directions and then of course you have the Clio East and Clio West targets. So these are new targets that we identified in 2021. We acquired this project in 2020. We, we did not drill it. Pardon me, we, we carried out that program in 2020. We, we acquired it in 2020. We carried out a deeper penetrating IP survey in 2020 that identified these two adjacent targets, Clio East, Clio West that have never been drill tested. So those were high priority targets for us this year, but as I mentioned with uh, the delay in getting in there, the lack of qualified drillers, we weren't able to achieve the meters we wanted and we weren't able to test those targets. So in addition to the Clio main zone, those are two high priority targets, haven't been tested. And now we're talking about a 1.5 kilometer strike length uh, you know, from Clio West to Clio East. And if you can get mineralization uh, in either one of them or both, now you're looking at something that has some serious size potential and can demonstrate to the market that this really has the chance to become something big enough uh, to become a mine. And so tell me, you report in a both copper equivalent and gold equivalent, which I, I guess is kind of useful, but can, can you, have you any idea of what the actual split is? Is it predominantly copper or predominantly gold? Yeah. What are you hunting down here? You know, that's one of the best questions you've asked all day. So I'll well, tell you a little bit. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just surprised I'm still awake. So no, carry on. Well, honestly, I would say that um, this is this is more of a gold dominant 
porphyry project. Right. So you're right. When you look at the values and you look at the copper and you look at the gold and you look at the, the various equivalencies, it's really a, basically a two to one ratio as far as value goes for, for gold to copper. Um, we, we market it as a, as a copper gold porphyry project, but, but really it's probably safer to say it's more of a, a gold copper porphyry project. Okay. And that's why I also think it's important to show both the copper and gold equivalency. And that's why we talked to both copper and gold companies, because this sort of project, um, because of its size potential and because of the grades, could be of interest to, to either type of company, whether you're, you know, gold-focused or copper-focused, because it has you know, significant credits on both sides. Well, it also has significant impact on how the market um, look, looks at you and, and whether they pay attention or not. If it's another gold story, you know, yawn. Um, if it's a copper story, there's, there's a better degree of interest in it. And you know, we had a company on it in the last few weeks, um, make it vague, um, who were reporting in silver equivalents, and 20% of the, it was less than 20%, it was like 18%. Of the, the minerals they were finding were, were silver, so you know I think it's important that you know there's a kind of you, you you've you've got to obviously pitch it the best way possible, but the market also needs to understand what they're going to be investing into. So that's that's why I ask that yeah. that question um, because you know copper. Well, exciting. you know it's, it's also a very good question because I mean when we're talking to a lot of these copper mining companies, they look at the copper grade, and you know when we look at the mineralization we've returned so far, uh, and you look at some of these other deposits and mines in BC that we compare it to, actually it, it compares very favorably both both on the copper and gold side. So as far as the, the copper values we're returning, they're very much in line with these copper mines in BC, but we tend to have a higher gold credit. So overall, I mean, our, our copper equivalent or gold equivalent is higher than a lot of these other deposits and mines that we compare it to. But I think there's the potential there, and that's what a lot of these these senior mining companies are looking for on the copper front is the potential for even higher grade copper mineralization. And I think we have that. We have encountered higher grade copper zones. Uh, we are encountering boronite, which is a higher grade copper mineralization. And the goal for us here is, you know, maybe we can encounter more of these higher grade copper zones uh, at depth. Um, and that's what we're, we're looking to do. I mean, we, we have not encountered the porphyry center yet. Um, our thoughts is that perhaps it, it's deeper or we're on the fringes. Uh, that's why we have to do a lot more drilling. I mean, this was really just the first pass. It was, it was proof of concept, but it certainly pointed us in a lot of very interesting directions and opens the door for us to, to find more and perhaps even higher grade copper mineralization. But isn't that, that, isn't that the next big challenge for you, right? So get, getting to the meat of this conversation, which is high grade copper is, is, is one thing, you know, and like I say, I appreciate how you're reporting it, but high grade copper is one thing. You've got to prove up scale, right? Copper projects of, of you know, small scale just don't interest any of the majors, any of the guys with the balance sheets that you're going to need to move this thing forward. So you 5,000 meters is going to, well, where's that going to, where's that going to get you? Do you think? Yeah. And, and again, I think that's a really good question because for us, I think we've demonstrated it has that grade when you look at, you know, the copper or the gold and, and you combine them and you look at some of these other deposits and mines we compare uh, ourselves to, it has the grade. Uh, it, you're right. It's entirely now about scale and tonnage. So the, the program that we're looking to launch this year will, I think, help demonstrate that potential to, to outline that we think it has that scale and size potential. 
um, by doing that at the Clio main zone. And, and again, as I said, if, you know, you test the east and the west, then you're looking at, you know, over 1.5 kilometer strike length. And then, of course, I mean, the Clio main zone is just one of these potential porphyry centers along a four kilometer long mineralized trend. And we'll be doing a little bit more work there this year. I mean, there's, in addition to the Clio main zone, there's four other potential porphyry centers. Some have seen tested, although limited, some remain untested. So we'll be doing some additional IP there this year and also some airborne mag over that four kilometer long mineralized trend to see, you know, what other targets that we can advance uh, that could represent other porphyry centers. So when you look at the project itself, it certainly has the size, the Clio main zone uh, on its own could have the size. You throw in the east and west, well, definitely that that has the size. So I'm, I'm hoping the drilling we complete this year can demonstrate to the market that, okay, yes, we've got the grade, now we're demonstrating how we can build that tonnage that'll make it of interest to a senior copper gold mining company. But again, another great point you make, which is, you know, we we can, or hopefully we can demonstrate to the market that the scale's there. You've got to work out who you're talking to. Because if you're going after someone's balance sheet, I, a, a mid-tier or, or major balance sheet to help you move this project forward, they need a different sort of data set to that which the market expects, right? You've seen that with the third hole. You know, it wasn't quite as good as the first two. Still, really good hole. It wasn't quite as good as the first two, and you had a major sell-off, right? So, whereas the 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 large uh, industry players, that you know, the 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 guys with the balance sheet, they they can reinterpret the data any which way that suits them, right? They don't need you to show the market a certain, you know, certain type of headline in your, new, in your press releases. They just say, look, just give me the good stuff. So you've got a different type of approach to your drill program because of that, right? So how, how, how I, do you play I, in, it? In, in, yeah, I would say in this case or for the upcoming year, no. Um, this, this year, what we're trying to do, it, it ultimately, I mean, you, you always have to keep the market in mind, but, but we are running a business here and our business here is to try to find something that's going to be big enough that is going to be of interest to a senior copper gold mining company. First and foremost, that's our goal. And how do we get that is demonstrating the potential. Uh, I think if we can demonstrate that potential, that's going to be of interest to both uh, a potential M&A partner and the market. Because I think for the market now, they understand that, yeah, you've got the grade. Uh, now we need to see that it has the size potential. And that's what we need to focus on in this year's drill program is demonstrating that. But how, how do they do that? Because there's, there's one sophisticated, one's less sophisticated. They'll look at the high-grade copper numbers and equivalent numbers, copper equivalent numbers in the press releases. They they will judge you by, well, are you going to put out a resource? Well, hardly likely after that amount of drilling, unless you tell me different. Um, so how do I know the scale is there? They're going to rely on you to say, no, the scale is definitely there. Energy partners, they can work that out themselves. They don't need infill drilling. They don't need you to put out a resource. So that's what I mean about how the, those two audiences interpret the same information. Yeah, and honestly, I, th I think you can see that... Uh that played out in every press release. Um, you know, you know, you are trying to write for the, the the lay person, but also provide enough technical information for the people that are savvy enough to understand what you're doing and what you're encountering, uh, and where you think that upside is. So I think I think it, there is that balance you're trying to strike. 
But then this gets back to the point of, you know, introducing the company at a very early stage to these seniors um, so they understand what you're up to. They have, obviously, if we sign a CA with them, they have access to all the data. So you're right. As long as all the data is there and we're generating the data, they're going to make their own interpretations. So first and foremost, again, is just making sure that they're aware, they're interested enough that they want to start devoting enough time to, to follow and, and create their own interpretations. But that's relying upon us continuing to generate that data. Okay. So you, next thing we're going to see from you is an announcement over, we've got a strategic partner who has put some equity, some cold hard cash down, and uh, we're ready for a troll season. Well, I would certainly hope so. Um, but I mean, you've, and in this business, as we know, you've got to have a plan A, B, C, at least, maybe even a D, E, F. So my plan A, that would be my hopes. Uh, failing that, then I think looking at going down the broker road, which uh, brings a lot of positives also as far as, you know, it could possibly generate sell-side analyst coverage down the road. You can get institutional support. And failing that, uh, then we'd be looking to, to do our own finance and do a non-broker private placement. So in this instance here, I think you're just looking at a plan A, B, C. Um, but obviously, I mean, we are expand, you know, looking to fund a far bigger program this year. Obviously, our prices are, are far higher than they were than we talked in October. So going to be less dilutive, which is great. You know, we've continued to make acquisitions. We've brought in a strategic partner. So I, I feel very confident where we are right now. I know it's not going to be an issue raising the money. It's just a matter of where that money is going to come from.